0: Štan an indó askeige e
1: Táim imíchttaí e dhéhsachcht ar end of chacht a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh
2: fis turmi ara
0: igornamion
2: fracht This is an Irish Independent podcast. They were O'Driscoll, O'Gorman,
0: extra man is Fitzgerald. Off oh, Fitzgerald is gone. Well, the Ireland tour of New Zealand is just around the corner. The squad have already travelled down to New Zealand, and we have a three-test series against the All Blacks to look forward to in just a couple of weeks' time, and two games against the New Zealand Maori as well for some of the younger players and some of the guys on the fringe of the starting team to maybe work their way into Andy Farrell's plans. Welcome to the Left Wing. will here with Luke Fitzgerald, as always. We'll be joined by Keane Tracy in just a minute to look ahead to the very exciting series. But first, Luke... What a prospect we have in store, even when we were in the midst of the six Asians, the Champions Cup run in. This one was always in the back of the mind, something to really look forward to. It doesn't get any tougher than three tests in New Zealand. No, it certainly doesn't. And I think there's,
2: you can sense the excitement amongst the Irish rugby community, if you like. Um, You know, was it 10 years since the last time we were there? Um And I think, you know, we have a very exciting squad. We've got a good blend of youth and experience. I think we've got a team that are, you know, reasonably informed. I think they've got a good style of rugby. I think there's something that they can buy into. And I think they've got, you know, they've obviously had recent success against New Zealand. And I think they'll be keen to back that up because it gives them credibility. It'll give, you know, it'll give them a nice little uplift before, um, you know, say say the World World Cup. And it'll underpin a lot of the hard work. And I think a lot of the, thing, the things they think about themselves in terms of how good they are, if they can get a result out, or even one result, I think, would be very good. And as long as they're competitive in the other two, I think there's something that they can hold on to. So yeah, look, it's some, it's, it's very um, very exciting, really looking forward to it. I think the two merry matches probably won't get spoken about as much, but uh, there's loads of people, young guys in this tour that I am really excited to see, as you said, possibly on the periphery, but they'll be looking to push hard. And um, there's loads of quality in Irish rugby, I think. Uh, despite you know disappointing finishes for all the provinces, I'm still very bullish on on our potential, and I think there are two matches where we can really see the the I think the fruits of all the hard works of our our academies and and, and uh, our, our player development program. So um, hopefully they go well as well.
0: Yeah, from a player's perspective, like what are these end of season tours like? You know, obviously three tests in the excitement of getting to play on that must be off the charts. But at the same time, you're at the end of a long season. A lot of these guys are disappointing finishes to the season. You know, this party as a player just wish you could switch off from rugby for a couple of months and just kind of go back again for the new season. Can it be somewhat of a not a slog, but is it somewhat difficult then to switch back on into international mode now and, and go away on a tour like this?
2: You know, I think it might be challenging for some of the Lions guys. It might feel like they've just never had a break, really. Um, but I think for the rest of, of, of the squad, I think it's um, it's a nice little chance to to, to finish the season on a high. There's a big opportunity there um New Zealand very difficult at home you can see the quality they have in the squad but I think there's still like uh, I it's 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 not often you go to New Zealand thinking that Ireland have a really good chance of of winning a test or possibly even a test series if they play to their potential um so I think it's a good opportunity for them to do that and I think funnily enough you know a lot of the like Leinster particularly have had you know for these summer tours I know it's been a while but um oftentimes they've been in the final of the league at the very end of the season. So you finish the league and then straight away you're into Irish camp. And that can be a bit challenging. And it means like, there's, you know, do you have that feeling where you've really had an end? I, I feel like that, that losing in the semi-finals could actually be a good thing. Um, for say the Ulster and, and Leinster contingents. And I think they might come into this quite refreshed and ready to go. Um, you know, and you could say the same, obviously for, for Connick, particularly who had a, a good break, but Munster too, who had a disappointing finish big opportunity for them to now finish on a high and um you know get some training refresh the bodies any kind of injuries that they would have had during the season they probably had an opportunity to work on those kind of things will so they might go out in really really good condition and um you know uh, sometimes a new setup can reinvigorate you and i think this Irish. You know this Irish camp has kind of done that in the last couple of windows. I think the team look look like they're enjoying being in there. They're enjoying each other's company, um, and I don't think it'll be a challenge to be down in New Zealand this time of year, which it can be. You know we're obviously going into winter then there, so it's probably you know coming from the nice weather here at the moment into uh, you know probably not as nice weather than New Zealand. Um, the squad gets on well, and I think that's really important out in these places. It's not like a Lions tour where you have you're worried about that. You're kind of trying to get everyone to mesh pretty quickly. These guys really enjoy it. They've, they've said it on a number of occasions. So um, I'm not really worried about those things. I'm more worried about can they deliver on the game plan and,
0: and compete with New Zealand out there, Will, because I think they're in a good place. Yeah, well, we are like to be joined by Keane Tracy now to look ahead to the next couple of weeks. And Keane, I'll give you a nice easy one to start off. Can Ireland win a Test Series in New Zealand? Oof. Uh, if you'd asked me that question a
1: few weeks ago, Will, I probably would have given you a different answer. Um, they can win. Will they I'm I'm not so sure they will. Um, I think there's a couple of issues, positional issues. I think there's a couple of set piece issues. It's bloody hard to beat New Zealand on home soil. Um, I'd be fairly optimistic that they can win a test for the first time over there. But like, the All Blacks don't lose too many series, do they, um, at home? And there's a lot of pressure on them, I think. I think the, the the gap between the teams is probably as close as it's ever been in terms of going over there for a tour. I think the the fear factor of you know is probably definitely lessened. I don't know if it's fully gone because going over there is different. But the wins that Ireland have had in Dublin and Chicago counts. I think for so much for this group um, going over there. But I don't think this All Blacks team is a vintage team either. But with their backs against the wall, and I'm very curious to see what the pressure is going to be like when I get over there in terms of the locals and stuff, because like, when you think about it, they're coming into the tour in the back of two defeats last November in, in Dublin and Paris. Now I know they were at the end of their season. They're at the start of their season. Well, not the start of their season, but they're going to be a lot fresher than they are uh, when Ireland played them in November. But um, I would still have a couple of concerns with a couple of positions uh, depth wise in the Ireland team. I think, I think they're a couple of injuries away from really like really finding out about their depth chart. And as I've been banging on about quite a bit with you lads on this podcast, I think there's issues over the set piece as well. Um, the scrum and even the line-out, when you look at how poor the line-out was against the Leinster line-out was against the Bulls. And I was watching the Super Rugby final on Saturday morning and Sam Whitelock did an absolute number on the Blues line-out. Now I know he had like he a He might be rugby. out, yeah broken Tom and he might be out but like he's a guy that, that like i just think the all blacks need to play it was a real reminder of how good he is he destroyed the blues line out and that pretty much won the game for for the crusaders so um i think that's an area the all blacks are going to look to to get after ireland that as well uh the scrum goes without say greg feek will have a good bit of inside knowledge there as well so um to answer your question mill can they can they can win a series over there i don't think they will but I think if they were to win a test and be competitive across the series and in the two Marry
0: All Blacks games, I think that would be deemed a rather successful tour. Yeah, Luke, and from your perspective, how would you like to see Ireland approach it? Like, do you think it should be, you know, full strength team for all three tests, really going for this series victory? Do you think there should be sometimes where Andy Farrell may, maybe brings in some younger players for those All Blacks games? Like, what do you think is more valuable in the long run? Is it like? trying as hard as Ireland can to get that a famous series victory or is it saying, okay, well let's try to maybe first test all guns blazing and then maybe I'll bring in a few young guys for the second test. What, what way would you approach it? Uh,
2: I think I'd go all guns blazing for the tests um, with the exception of probably one or two positions. Um, you know, I think 10, I definitely like to give at the very least, I'd be giving people a lot of time in you know in in the pocket there when the team you know even if the team is going well like even if the team like I think that's one thing that maybe um you know Ireland haven't always done really well is that when the team is actually going well they're kind of reluctant to make a change and trust the guys that they have I think um that is something that I would definitely maybe look to um and 10 is 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 the probably position I have in, in in my mind the most there um I would also say maybe at nine. Weirdly, I think those two positions. I I, I want to see a bit more of kind of who's going to be uh, like just come like come World Cup time. Like, do we actually have real depth there? I'm not I'm not 100 sure. Um, the line out calling is definitely something that I would be um that I'm going to be watching pretty closely. And I think you know Keane alluded to it there. We've had some some trouble there, but I don't. I, I think that's something that they can get right. They come into Paul O'Connell setup now. Who, let's face it, is Uh, Look, Leo is unbelievable, but I think Paul is still like he's a brilliant operator, too. Um, And, uh, you know, I think they should be able to get that right. And I think it's probably important that they figure out someone outside of Ian Henderson because he just, you know, he is quite injury prone, uh, but they need to figure out someone else who can do that job of calling the line out uh, for, for the team in his absence just um, on that
1: luke just on that it's, it's very interesting that in Leinster Ross Maloney seems to do a lot of the lineout calling and not James Ryan and obviously James Ryan did it against the Bulls when Ross Maloney was out of the team but i think that's an area of James Ryan's game that it looked like it had kind of come on under Paul O'Connell you're dead right to kind of highlight it but it's very interesting that he's not the main lineout caller from from what i'm aware you might know different but i think Ross Maloney has been calling the lineouts mostly this season and you'd expect a guy like James Ryan you know Ireland international been Ireland captain that Maybe he would have taken
2: on that responsibility, but it's a, it's a huge role, isn't it? The call, the, the actual caller, massive role. Like I remember, like Donika Ryan, uh, you know Donika o'callan Paul O'Connell, Leo Cullen, Dev Toner, particularly as well, stand out. They put in massive amounts of time outside of. Um, you know, even time with coaches looking over, I think a lot of personal time just looking over footage, maybe familiarizing themselves with the opposition, maybe getting there seems to be a lot of things that go with it. Like, I don't think it's necessarily just a, you know, a numbers thing, if you like. It's there's a bit of art to it as well. Um, So, yeah, like I think, look, like James has had, we have to give... James had a very interrupted last couple of seasons. You know, I think there's a lot to be said for someone having a bit of consistency, a bit of like, like a lot of time not injured, a lot of time just actually feeling the pressure in a big game. Um, and I think off the back of that, like it's certainly not an intellect thing with, with, with James, but I, I would say that, you know, he, he he's, he's probably been trying to play himself back into form. Like an added layer of calling the line, it probably was a little bit unhelpful uh, in terms of a backdrop for him getting back to you know playing well i think he's playing well now it looks like he's physically in great shape so i'd say it's a great time to test him out over there over a whole test series um so hopefully he stays fit and i think it's as i said i think it's a good time to do that um and remember ireland i think have like depending who they pick i think they've got, got got a lot of like a lot of weapons in there if, from a lineup perspective you think of pito Mahoney, i know but probably more from a defensive perspective but um yeah, that's something that, that i'm also watching i don't want to go too too in depth on that it's not really an area of expertise but certainly both of us know that it's been a problem um so i think they need to get that sorted out um and then from a backline perspective you know i, I think there is opportunity like uh, to, to touch on the point again just trusting the bench a little bit more i'd love to see hume get a go i think he's been playing brilliantly he looks like a real athlete and he'll trouble defenses down there um and uh, probably someone in that 15 slot as well. I don't know who I'm thinking of in there, but like if Hugo Keenan goes down, I mean, he's just been like an ever-present and we haven't had to worry about it. But um, that's another area where I'm kind of thinking, I, like I see on the wings, I think we've got plenty of depth, but just in that position, I'm wondering who comes in if he gets injured. Um, and I do think we've got lots of good quality down there, uh, like in in that in, in that area. So it shouldn't be a problem for us, but you know, it, it could be if we don't give someone some test experience. And other than that, we'll to tie off the point and just to, 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 to re, I suppose, reiterate, I'd be going for the series win. Uh, but, but while I think you can do that and also build in some depth in the big games and then look, the two Mary games I'm less concerned about, I'll be playing all the young guys in those games. Um, I think that's a big opportunity for them to, to get some real experience in a very hostile environment against a very good team. So, um, that'd be my view on that. I'd be less concerned about what happens in those uh, re- results in those games. But in the, the New Zealand ones, the the, the test
0: matches, um, you'd be going for th- three wins if you can get them. Yeah, it was funny. Ian Foster was asked, you know, oh, is it about this series or the World Cup? And he's like, well, it, my, my mantra is win now and win later. You know, why why do we have to kind of do one or the other? And I agree with Luke. You know, I think there probably is a bit of scope to one or two positions, bring in some young guys, but keep that nucleus in place. Keen, one thing I find interesting going into this tour there's been so much debate, you know, over the last year, maybe in the lead-up to the autumn last year, about how are them, the style of play? Like, you know, could they get that style right to, you know, maybe be a bit more expansive? And it looked like they maybe got that piece of it together in November. Now I find, going into this series, there'll be a bit of a battle for Andy Fraud to maybe mentally pick the players up. Like, all four provinces have finished the season, you know, in varying degrees of low points. Like, Connor haven't had a meaningful game since April. There's a couple of guys in the squad. Ulster had a gut-wrencher. Munster, you know, kind of threw in the towel almost in the last couple of games and Leinster had those two massive upsets what does Andy Farrell do from that point of view guys who previously looked like they were playing so well as you mentioned you know if we'd asked you a couple of weeks ago after November even about the series you might have had a different complexion what does Andy Farrell and the coaching staff do do you think to pick these guys up I think that a lot of the players will be just really happy
1: to kind of get back into that environment again. I mean, you know, you could go through, like you said, province by province. I think, it, I think the Leinster guys will benefit just from kind of getting their head out of the... It's been an intense kind of few weeks for them, been disappointing. I think the Munster players will really thrive on just getting out into a fresh environment totally because it just went so stale in Munster in the last few weeks of of their season and like if truth be told a, a couple of the Munster players probably lost out on selection because of the cause of the form of Munster you know um, and then Ulster the same you know they've had a, a tough few weeks and. Guys like Aki and Keen Prendergast, like you said, will haven't played in weeks, so I think there'll be a real excitement. I mean, the the squad left. I think it, they were leaving in two different groups. Um, some of them flew out on Sunday, some of them flew out on Monday. But I think there will been a real excitement to get back in there together. I mean, it, we spoke about this um, was it last week on the pod. Like this is the biggest tour that Ireland have ever undertaken, and I like. I mean, I'm going down there and I can't wait. So I can't imagine what how excited the players must be. Like this is the ultimate test and I think I think the last few weeks in in a weird kind of perverse way and how the kind of the the province's season kind of came to a shuddering halt might in some way help Ireland because I don't think for a second that Andy Friar or his coaches believe that this team are anywhere near their peak and you know that that we've seen that happen in the in the past like when we think back to obviously 2018 is is the obvious example and like I don't know, did Ireland evolve their game plan enough going into 2019, which was the, the World Cup year? I think there was a sense that they had it figured out and you know everything was going well. But then you, you think back to the England game of the Six Nations, and they pretty much put a quick halt to that and everything was downhill since then. So I think Andy Farrell and Mike Catt and John Fogarty and Paul O'Connell will have seen plenty of scope for growth throughout the Six Nations. And I think that's a good place to be in because, like I said, You don't like we don't want to be peaking now, at you know, like what is it, 17, 18 months out from a World Cup. So it's a good place to be in. And I think, you know, the the issues that have kind of been shown up around the set piece and and things like that, and particularly with Lencer over the last few weeks, they've seen now, you know, what they need to do. But I don't think I'm I'm not so sure a lot of it is an easy fix either. I do like Andy Farrell was asked about it and I was one of the ones asking him about, you know, was he concerned that there would be kind of a hangover and he's kind of keen to stress that you know team Ireland is very different to you know team Leinster, Munster, Leinster, Connacht and it is to a certain extent but you're still like going to see you know in the first test and Saturday week is going to be like a bulk Leinster are going to be bulk suppliers once again so it's about ensuring that I think they don't make the same mistakes twice but I think that would be easier said than done and going down to like New Zealand, like I said, with their backs against the wall, it makes them so dangerous. And also the fact that Ireland beat them in November, there's a serious target on their back. Now, I think Ian Foster's job is probably on the line as well, which is, you know, it sounds ridiculous. But I mean, if Ireland were to beat New Zealand in a series, could you really see him bringing the All Blacks to the World Cup next year? I'm not really sure you could. So it's a massive tour for them. And I I also think it's worth mentioning that new zealand will have like poured over footage of ireland in the six nations they have so much video to work off ireland don't have that same luxury because obviously the all blacks haven't been playing so they're going to be looking at super rugby like the final last weekend like i touched on so the all blacks definitely have an advantage in that sense as well because there's so much more video to to have you know to assess basically so that kind of stacks it up in their favor but to go back to your question, I think there's plenty of scope for, for growth within within the game plan. I still think I'd like to see a few more um, starter plays from Mike Katz attack. I think we were really treated some cracking ones when Joe Schmidt was in charge. And we've definitely seen more invention around that. But I'd like to see kind of that side of the game develop more. And like I said, what better place to test it than going down to New Zealand?
0: Yeah, look, just on New Zealand, like Keen mentioned there, the pressure in Foster's under. Obviously, they had those two defeats in November. And it's funny when the squad was announced last week, and I was just looking through it, and you know, it could be famous last words, but like, I, I didn't really, it didn't scare me. Like, you know, it didn't, it didn't have the kind of the fear factor you maybe from squads. Uh, the, the backs should scare you. Under the back the, back well, like it, it's not the, it's not the kind of the non Conrad, Smiths, the you know, Julian Sevilla when he was in his pomp. Like, I just, I just feel when I looked through that squad, and even watching the Super Rugby games, like the, the Crusaders obviously play some great stuff. The Blues have had a really good season, but I don't know. I just, I just feel like they're missing. Some big names or some some marquee not, guys not and star
2: power there, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. don't know. It's funny. I, I think there's probably a few old campaigners in the pack. Um, you know, they look reasonably grizzled. there. Um not so sure about the props, actually, is the one thing I'd say about New Zealand, which might play into Ireland's hands in terms of scroll. I think they interesting enough. I was speaking to my father, actually, after the um, the match in November. And he actually thought they scrummaged quite well. So maybe that might be an area of concern because I said, well, I thought our guys look so much more mobile than the New Zealand props. That's really unusual. I think historically speaking, you know, usually they usually we might have an edge maybe in the tight exchanges with them. But, you know, their, their guys are just unbelievably good in the loose, like great passers, etc. Whereas I think that might have flipped on its head possibly. So that'll be interesting to watch. But I still don't think it's going to be the same attack of a French or a South African pack or possibly, well, not to a lesser extent, an English pack in terms of the scrum. So that might be interesting there. Um, I, I am kind of concerned about the backs, although I would say that they still haven't really figured out what they're going to do with Moonga and, and, and Bowden Barrett. That, that, to my mind, is something that they just, I, I suppose I just always play Barrett even though I like Moonga and he's obviously got the edge off the tee probably, but I just think Barrett at 10 is a better fit for them. I think he's very strong. I think he's, I just love him. I just think he's just a brilliant rugby player. Um, And I think it gives a better balance to the team because playing him at fullback, I I just don't like it. I just think it doesn't. I think they they should have someone a bit more attacking there. Um, Do you you think they'll go back to that, Luke? Sorry, you think they'll
1: go back to that? I mean, in November, no, I don't
2: think they will. I think I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure about that one, Keen, And I don't think they are either, which is why I mentioned it. And you need to be sure about your 10 slot. Um, I think we're seeing a bit of that with, with, with England and why they're struggling a little bit is that they haven't figured out because well, you probably have to change your game plan quite a bit. I think for particularly with England, less so uh, New Zealand in terms of changing the game plan. But they are different players. Um, and that's an interesting conundrum that they, I feel like they haven't really solved that since the last world cup, uh, not helped obviously by Barrett heading off to uh, Japan, but, um, that's something that I'd be kind of watching for them. I, 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 as I said, it might not change their game plan too much, but I, I'd be picking Barrett there. I just think he's a better fit for them centers is an interesting one for them we look we're really settled in that area and that's one thing that i might agree with will on is that yes they have got some brilliant players in there um but our guys are really good there um you know particularly henshaw 12 Aki at 12 really really strong um you know and very settled depending on who you pick at 13 like obviously we've less experience with hume but you know ring rose is very solid there and if you're stuck you can play um, you know, uh, probably Bundy at 13, really, if you like. So we, we look a little bit more settled there, even though they do have the, like Ioanni is electric. Um, but I still think he's an outside back, if you ask me. Um, I like you I like, uh, you know, Bull or sorry, Geordie Bar possibly at 12, but like, do they pick him at 15 or do they, do they pick his brother? Uh, they might try and fit both the Barretts in. So, I think they have a lot more questions about who they're going to select, will which is, uh, I know I'm pretty much going through the whole squad, but it is interesting with them. I think they look a little bit more settled in some of the key areas in the pack, but the back line few moving parts and that's not always great for for you know producing your best rugby on home soil they'd be bloody hard to beat but just generally when we're talking world cup cycles i think they need to start figuring out who their back what like which what their back on is and, and and you know pick and stick if you like you know yeah Keen,
0: it's, it's an interesting one because i I was chatting to ron about this the other day he, he wrote a piece after the squad was named and kind of pretty starkly saying that he doesn't think it's a strong New Zealand squad and that he thinks Ireland have a massive opportunity going up against them. and we were chatting he he was just saying that he thought South Africa and France have now moved you know substantially ahead of New Zealand and they're no, they're no longer the world leaders in terms of how the game is going at the moment there's probably 10 years between maybe you know 2010 2019 where they were you know almost you know unimpeachable at the top of the game and now a, a few teams look like they may be them by and while obviously Ireland were on home soil in November, Ireland gave them a very good game that day too. So it, it is an interesting period for them. And as Luke said, a lot of question marks over different areas of the team. I'm, I'm also caveating this, that if they come out in the first test and play unbelievable, I'm going to feel like it. But you know, at the moment, this is what it looks like to me. Uh, yeah, I'm
1: I'm di- I'm disin- dis- distancing myself from those from those comments because like I'm just blaming Rod. He's not here,
0: so I'm yeah, just yeah, said <laughs> all this.
1: It's I don't know, like they're, they're still so dangerous. I think Luke is right, like to hit, like you know, to kind of touch on the backs, and even though they do have a couple of question marks, I mean. Like, I, I think Jack Goodhue coming back is massive for them. They've really been trying to shoehorn, shoehorn Rico Ioanni in as 13. And I agree with Luke. I just don't think he's a 13. I think you saw it in November. Teams were looking to get after him. But like, you just look at the quality they have in the wing. And like, Will Jordan is sensational. Caleb Clark is back in the mix. You've got Sevu Reese and Lester Fiennuku is back is in the mix now as well, uncapped. captain. that's why I'm so interested to see what they do. Cause I would, Generally, kind of agree with Luke as well. I think Barrett at ten. I just, I don't know. I just, yeah. There's something about him is just royal, Ro- Rolls Royce. But watching the Super Rugby final, I thought Mwanga was class and really difficult conditions. Um, and it, it helps too that like that Crusaders backline that started could easily have been the starting All Blacks backline. And I wonder when it comes to All Blacks selection if Ian Foster will kind of look that way, the fact that Muanga has been playing with these guys. Now obviously it depends on who he goes with in the center, you know. But I mean he could definitely go with uh David Havili and Jack Goodhue Now if he did, then it would kind of make sense to play Muanga. But 15, who do you go with? Like Jordy Barrett has had a good season as well and you know, he is he a fifteen? Is he a winger? You can kind of play him anywhere, but it's trying to get all these guys into the team. I think is is the issue. And Luke is right, but I think they will see it this summer as kind of ironing out those kinks in terms of after this summer they will know all things going well. Who's going to start that first game of the World Cup against France um, in Paris next year? So it's I think it's a good it's a good headache to have. Um, but you know like have teams moved that far past them? I mean, maybe they've moved past them. I mean, I would be very slow to kind of write them off. I do agree with you to a certain extent, Will, that it doesn't maybe have that kind of, you know, you mentioned Conor Smith, Nanu, guys like this. But like, even you look at someone like Roger Tuzavaka, check you know, this guy, like I wasn't overly impressed when he came off in the Super Rugby final and I can't say I saw a huge amount from playing rugby league either, but like they're obviously looking at him as like, you know, a Sonny Bill type player who by the time the World Cup comes around that he's going to be the starting center as well. So they do have a lot of firepower in there and we've saw it even in November. You think back to Will Jordan's trial which came out of nothing and they're so, so dangerous at that. They can just turn it on in an instant counterattack threat. So, um yeah like i said on home soil with their backs against the wall which they are like i said because foster is under pressure and you know like the the kind of the shadow of joe schmidt i think kind of looms over this as well which adds another fascinating subplot to it he's not officially starting his advisory role with the all blacks until after the tour but i'd personally be amazed if he's not going to be in there giving a few tips here and there but if the tour doesn't go well like i said and if ireland were to win the series 2-1 or whatever Would they? Would the All Blacks stick with Ian Foster? I'm really not sure they would because there's not a there's not a lot of public goodwill behind him. They wanted Scott Robertson to come in, but I would say there's more of a chance if he wasn't the coach next year of Joe Schmidt probably taking charge rather than Scott Robertson purely because Joe Schmidt is going to come into the All Blacks setup now uh, from officially post test post the series. So um, I think that's a very fascinating um, subplot to this whole thing: Joe Schmidt's kind of influence on it.
0: Oh, no, massively. and uh, Just on Ian Foster, you know, he came in, as you say, like not much goodwill or fanfare at the time. The Steve Hansen set up, it looked like it kind of petered out. And Scott Robertson was such a, a big candidate. And then, you know, in his first year in 2020, I know there was COVID disruption. They lost to Argentina for the first time ever, lost to Australia as well. And Then they lost to France and to Ireland. So, yeah, it's a huge series for him. And as we mentioned there, a couple of a uh, question marks. Luke, from an Irish perspective, you know, if, if we're going off to kind of the proviso that Andy Farrell will probably go full strength for the first test. Like who are some of the guys that kind of need a big tour who may maybe coming in with a few question marks or maybe a bit of struggling perform like someone like Ty Byrne, obviously injuries played a part. He didn't get to play for the, the tail end of the season. He's going over. He's someone who when Ireland were playing well, he was a you know a key part of it. He's someone that I'm looking at, but is there anyone in particular you are thinking could do it a really big summer?
2: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think that he's still, uh, the third choice um, in the second row pairing. Um, and he's, I, I think I, f- I still feel like his future, like if he wants to be, you know, a hundred capper, he's probably maybe too old for that, but you know what I mean? If he wants to go on and be an Ireland grade is probably at six. Um, but that position is really interesting to me. Cause I think you've got Coombs there. You got O'Mahony still playing brilliantly. I thought he had a very strong finish to the season for the most part. Um, you know, I, I, I really like Ryan Baird for that role, but like, Who's ousting Doris? And like I know I pretty much named everyone there, but Doris you can switch around, I think. And in fairness, um, you know, I do think Conan uh is probably still my favorite favorite with, with, with Doris at six, um, as a, as a starting, you know, uh six and eight. But you know, Conan a, doesn't have a great injury record. So I feel like like my view is that Doris will get a lot of rugby in that in that eight slot just by virtue of of possibly Conan being out a bit. Um and I think who comes in there and I think there's a, some serious athletes waiting in the wings for for that. Um, you know, and, and that's probably a position that I'm watching pretty closely. And I think there'll be a little bit of pressure on Byrne because I feel like he should be a starter. And I think he's got all the tools to be a, a brilliant, brilliant six for Ireland um, and actually the starting guy there. But he's got some serious competition and. Um, look at the reason I bring him up is because I just think so highly of him, but I don't think he's going to start. Um, and like, does he always want to be the sub? I don't think he does. So I'd be probably having that conversation with Annie Farrell around that. Um, and I still think there's some good guys to come in. Like, um, you know, young McCarthy, I think that'll be, that'll be an interesting one in, in, in the role. Like, does he get any rugby out there? I think it might be a bit soon. I think he's probably in the, uh, Mary shakeup, I think. um, but um who else am i watching look i think it's quite a big tour for um uh sheehan you know like i think you know it's a, it's a big opportunity for him coming up against it Either be cody taylor like probably most likely cody taylor but either either him or D- dane coles who are both brilliant players and the line out is as we said is probably under a little bit of pressure so i think that's an area where i think you know he has a chance to shine now um so that's probably another guy that I'm watching pretty closely. And I think, you know, lots of people are, are wondering about the backup props. Like, are they going to get any rugby? And if they do get rugby, can we rely on them? Um, I would still say Keane Healy looks a little bit undercooked and he's been written off a bit too early. I, think, I just don't think he's played a massive amount of rugby. People, I think, always make the... I think it's a mistake, really. They think you don't have you because you've lots of experience that you don't have to play much rugby. I still think you have to play a lot of rugby, and I think he hasn't seen a huge amount or enough to be playing his best. I still think there's more in the tank for him, um, so I hope he gets a uh, gets a chance to show it because I still think he's a level above what we have um, in terms of, of behind uh, Porter. Um, and I probably mentioned the other ones earlier on. I won't go on forever and ever. Let Keen maybe have a little bit of a, a, a talk maybe to, to some of the areas he wants to look at. But they are probably some of the guys in the forwards that I'm watching pretty closely.
0: Will. Yeah, can anyone in particular that you, you're kind of in, intrigued to see how they go?
1: Yeah, like, I I, I would agree with both of you. I'm fascinated to see Ty Byrne and, like, just a couple of kind of things around that. Like, he's now on a central contract, which, you know, shows that his standing has increased within that Ireland setup with how, you know, David Nusafora and the Ireland coaches see him. So it'll be very interesting to kind of see where he fits in, because I would agree with Luke. Like, you think back to even his form on the Lions tour last summer, he was really robbed of not getting more game time. He should have got more game time. But, yeah, like, I think I'm, I'm off the top of my head. I think it was the Italy game in the Six Nations. Maybe it was Scotland. What are the games? I'm pretty certain Andy Farrell was going to start a back row of Tyg Byrne at six, Josh Vanderfeir at seven, and Caelan Darris at eight. I would really like to see that back row. I don't think Jack Conan has had a great season at all. I think he was outstanding last year and was brilliant on the lines so one of the few players to kind of have enhanced his reputation. But I don't know, is it was kind of just, you know, a bit of a lines hangover. Or what, but I just don't think he hit the same heights at all. And I think he would probably admit that himself. He's an honest fella. Um, and yeah, like I do still prefer Doris at eight. We've only seen glimpses of him there. I think it's his best position. And I would love to see a back row of, um, Tyburn, Josh Vanderfleer, and Caelan Doris, but I still think they will start with, um, tried and trusted for the the first i i'd imagine it will be doris at six and conan at eight um yeah a couple of others like i mean there's no point in going down the the out half rabbit hole again because like we all know that you know joey carberry needs to get more game time and even harry Byrne, it'll be interesting to see you'd imagine he'll get game time in, in in the maoris but you know a guy like mac hansen it's a big tour for him to kick on as well i'd love to see james hume get some meaningful game time as Does well, Jimmy G- O'Brien
2: feature in your thoughts on someone? I, 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 he probably didn't finish great, but he's had a great season really overall. Any, any thoughts on him, again, uh, just in yeah, terms like- of Mack Hansen and that? I, I, I'm a
1: big fan of, of Jimmy Bryan, Jimmy O'Brien. I think there's massive comparisons with Hugo Keenan in, in kind of the way a bit of a late bloomer, went off to the sevens, like can play multiple positions. I know Stuart Lancaster really, really rates him because you could you could play him across the back line. And I think he's the kind of guy who will get better with the more time he spends in Ireland Camp. He's a real smart guy. He picks things up, he p- picks things up real quick, but where does he fit in? Is he, I would say, Michael Lowry is probably ahead of him as the backup to Hugo Keenan. and particularly having gotten a taste of it in the Six Nations. He went well in that Italy game. Um, I know he's coming into the tour on the back of an injury. It's probably a bit of a surprise that he, he actually made it as well, given he had facial surgery, wasn't it? But yeah, like you, uh, Jimmy O'Brien is like, when it comes, I think I made this point when we were kind of dissecting the squad. When it comes to naming a World Cup squad, when it's going to be much thinner than a 40-man squad, Guys who can play multiple positions, and you know this as well, Luke yourself, like is is so so important. And for a guy like Jimmy O'Brien to be able to play across the back line is hugely, hugely advantageous for him. And even like I would I hope that Kieran Frawley as well gets a start um, in that Maori game. Again, we, we we know like how we all kind of feel about that, but he's a guy as well, I think, you can really kick on this summer. Again, you know, you kind of you see these guys playing for their provinces, but like once you make that step up into Ireland camp, it's amazing how many guys improve with the level of training and the intensity. Some guys will just fall off. And it was interesting, Andy Farrell was like really blunt in saying that as well. Uh, last week after he or the week four, after he named his squad when he basically said yeah we're going to find out about a lot of guys here and some guys are not going to make the world cup squad so um there's pressure on guys i think they know that anyone who hasn't made this squad is under pressure to make the the world cup squad but anyone who's in there now has such a massive chance to kick on so for guys like jimmy o'brien key and prendergast is another guy who i think can really step it up another level i think he was outstanding in a poor enough Connick season and if you surround him with better players I think he can really shine as well he's got a real physical edge he's a good line out operator and um, and I think I'm I'm really excited for the Maori games I have to I have to admit i like obviously we're all cannot wait for the test series but like we're going to find out a lot a lot with a lot of certain guys you know like even Jeremy Lockman you know I mean, he hasn't been he hasn't been second choice at Munster when, since Dave Kilcoin has been injured. Josh Witchery's been ahead of him. Like what a show of confidence for him. And now it's up to him to kind of, you know, take his chance. So I'm fascinated to see that Maori game, even in terms of how Andy Farrell uses it, because I wouldn't be surprised I you know what you lads think for someone like Bundy Aki he will probably have to start that game or certainly get game time because he just hasn't played and you think back to when all the centers are fit, Andy Farrell has tended to go with Bundy and Gary Ringrose in the center. That's been his preferred partnership. So I think guys like that need, need minutes in that Maori game. But it's such a short turnaround, isn't it? And you think of how physical that that Maori game is going to be. So playing the Maoris on a Wednesday and a test match against the All Blacks on a Saturday, it's going to be interesting to see how he juggles that. That because I could could Bundy? Do you think start against the All Blacks without having played? Because he missed the end of Connick season as well. He won't have played in like six seven weeks. Is a bloody long time.
2: Would you be breaking up Henshaw and Ring, Ring Rose? Don't think so. I thought they were. I I thought in a, in a in a difficult Leinster finish. Um, I'm, I'm obviously thinking more of the Heineken Cup final. Like they were outstanding in that match. Like I thought they kept Leinster in that for for periods when they were under pressure. Their defense was just awesome, which I just think is so key down in New Zealand too. They have a nice settled feel to them. Um, Henshaw's fresh as well because of the
1: time he missed out through injury, which does count exactly. for something. Like, like,
2: yeah, I think he looks like I, well, sorry, I, I it's interesting. I would say I would agree with you. Obviously, sorry, the stats won't lie. Aki's been the guy who's, you know, been the one who's been available really for selection and has been, I suppose, would you call it the linchpin, really, or certainly the incumbent uh in, in the in the center pairing. Um but I think that's probably changed just on this tour at this point in time, you'd have to say. And he hasn't played, like, kind of hasn't played in ages either. So um, the other two, I think, are in form. I think it's on, I'd like to see him and Hume. I think he'd be a nice foil for for, for Hume. I think the two of them uh, would be nice to see together as well. Um so uh yeah can they play their way in ahead with a massive performance maybe they can but i think they they two of those guys need a huge performance and i think that'd be the perfect time to do that um would be in, in in that game so that's an interesting slot you know i think there's loads to talk about isn't there and and lots of permutations you know uh like james Lowe is another one i think it'll be interesting to see whether he gets in uh i think he does i think he's been brilliant i think leinster missed him at the end of the season really um and uh, that's probably someone that I'm watching to see if, you know, along with Mack Hansen, who may, may or may not start. I'm not sure Mac Hansen starts for me, but, um, you know, I think do they, can they survive, um, you know, a, a really severe test? Like I, I still don't think there is as severe a test of your defensive abilities as New Zealand. I just, regardless of, again, some of the selection headaches that I think they have, they will still get the ball wide. Like, they just don't know another way to play. And they will stress you in the in the places where you don't want to be stressed. They'll find the places where you're weak, and uh, put you in one-on-one situations against brilliant athletes. So, big test for those guys too in in, in that respect, and for the team. And and you know you need to get, if we're if we're going to go far in the World Cup, you know, our we we need to be great defensively? And I think those two guys have a few question marks. still will answer in the big games.
0: And just on the schedule, you know, it, it is a funny kind of kind of quirk of this one that with the, with the two mary games it, it is more of a line style like that a boulder could emerge from the first mary game it's a long series like you know there's there's two tests and then i think there's a mary game before the final tests on tuesday so you know a young guy playing well in the first test they could well be on the bench or depending on how injuries go forced their way into the team and likewise a guy like bundyaki if he plays wednesday he may not start on the saturday but there's a second and a third test, and depending on how test one goes, who knows what it could be. So that's what makes the Maori game kind of doubly exciting. Is that obviously a lot of us want to see how these young guys go, Kieran Frawley, you know, Keen Prendergast but also that you know how often an alliance store Jack Cohen in, in the first game, for instance, was one guy who hit the ground running and then you know never really looked back after that. So I'd be interested to see if there's anything like that. That's someone who kind of comes in and plays well, and then maybe makes a bit of a name for themselves. Yeah, like, I mean,
1: I don't know, it'd be interesting to get your both of your thoughts on this. Like, I mean, we're probably all agreed, I would say, on maybe 13, 14 of the positions for the first test. Because I think no matter what anyone does in that first Maori game, given the short turnaround, I think you're going to be doing very well, certainly to start um, that the first test, if you do do well. But I think you've hit the nail on the head, Will. I think that's the message that Andy Farrell and the coaches will be driving to all these lads, that it's a long tour. There's going to be injuries. If you play well in that first Maori game, there's four more games to come, actually uh, sorry, three more games to come, two tests and another Maori game as well. So I think they're going to be really driving that message that you know places are going to be up for grabs. Again, maybe not in the first test. And I suppose like just on that, do you think it will be, or I'll throw to you, Will, do you think it will be a fairly kind of settled team for that first test? I mean, what are the positions we're talking about? I mean, I still think it's going to be Ryan. I'll get, go first. So it's going to be Ryan Henderson. I kind of said the back row centers. I think it could be a toss of a coin. Bundy could force his way in. I agree with what Luke is saying and that they might go with continuity. And I suppose you're probably talking on the right
0: wing, Mack Hansen, Keith Earls. Like, well, what do you reckon? Will? Do you think there'll be any kind of surprises? I think it'll be pretty much as strong as you know he can go and pretty much as we might expect. I think I, I wouldn't be shocked if Conan missed out. Because as you say, I think he has been a little quiet towards the end of the season. Probably since that All-Star game in November. So if he did opt to maybe put Doris to eight, go with Burnett at six or... You know, start Gavin Coombs at eight Have a bit of a wildcard or Gavin Coombs at six. Uh, that wouldn't completely shock me. But yeah, I think the rest of the team would be pretty settled. But I'm really interested to see is, you know, if they win the first test, does he go with the exact same team? If they lose the first test badly, does he say, "Oh, now is the time to completely change it"? Or does he say, "Well, this is my strongest team. We need to give them another hit out." Kind of like at the 2007 World Cup when the team started poorly and Niall Sullivan was like, "Well, we have to keep the same guys. Like, you know, these are my my key guys." So it's yeah, they said it's a long series, and I'm just intrigued to see because does he keep the same three? test team intact if, if they win the first one and they go close in the second one? Does, is there a load of guys who end up not really playing at all? Like, that's why it'll be a... It's an interesting coaching job for Ronnie Farrell as well because we're saying the inexperience of some of the players. It's his first time going away from home in the test series as well. It'll be very new for him. I know he's been on line stores, but to be the head man and have to take up a lot of the slack yourself, Luke, will be an interesting kind of coaching step forward for him as well.
2: I think he kind of well built for for the kind of pressure side of it. I think, you know, he's been... Under the microscope, since he's what is he sixteen or whatever, so I think he's kind of well built for the pressure, um, you know, from a media, from a scrutiny perspective, or from, from from that end. Um You know, I just think I suppose it's it's the thinking side of it. Like he's still a young head coach, um, so like you know, how, how do you deal with, as you say, some of those some of those questions that will inevitably inevitably be thrown up? Like I think if the team play well in the for, in the Mary match. You know, I I think they really come into play in the second test match, like, you know, because they'll be obviously fresher for that. Does he need to freshen up a few bodies? You know, if some people only had OK games, but had a brilliant game in the Mary, you know, sorry, if some people only played OK in the test match, but possibly still won, but there was a few guys that played brilliant in the Mary match. Do you are you brave enough to bring them in? There's a few, like, it'll throw up questions like that, or else the the, the opposite side of it, you know, if the team play terribly in the Test match, but you say they do well in the, in the Mary, is he brave enough to make the changes? So he'll have a few questions like that that I think will... They're probably more selection headaches, if you know what I mean. And I think, look, the game plan is fairly settled, and I think, you know... The the real key for him is can he can he instill a trust in the players in the game plan again, having had a break? Um, you know, some of the teams not having gone so well towards the end of the season that play a similar style to Ireland. Um, you know, can he instill that belief that this is the game plan to take them over the line against New Zealand again? Um, that's his first challenge. And then it's the selection stuff for me. Can he get those things right? Because it's a long tour. Uh, you know, people will you know will still have some hangover from the end of the season. There'll be a few bodies that I think you'll need to be brave with. I still think that's important. Um, and probably his real questions are probably around the bench For the for the test series anyway, I think I mean, I think as we said, we're probably pretty convinced Around the first test match But I still think the guys have probably done enough In most of the positions to warrant a bit of trust Even if they have a bad first test, if you know what I mean So I think the, the real questions for him are going to be around the bench Whether he trusts them early enough Because I think he need, he's going to need to do that But who does he bring in that can really make an impact So that, that's, that's probably my views on, on his challenges
0: in this uh, well, there's two things of of his kind of selection style in recent times that jump out to me is, is springing Mack Hansen in the first Six Nations game that I don't think anybody had predicted. And then also in November, picking the same team basically for three weeks in a row, especially after beating the All Blacks in week two, everyone was like, oh, there must be a few guys who'll come in in the third test. He basically won the exact same team again. So that's just two interesting recent kind of histories that he got a win.
2: Got a win. I think, you know, I think like, you know, he was under pressure. I think that was almost like a bit of a bookend to a a really difficult period for him. If you know what I mean, everyone had been kind of questioning him. Um, I think he was like, well, no, I I am the right guy for this. We just won three, match, three You know, we won our three very difficult test matches. So, um, I think that was probably a bit of a statement for him. I don't know if you feel the same with that, Keane.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you can see it, though, in the squad that he's picked. I mean, all you have to do is look at like what Scotland have done, what France have done. There's a lot of their key guys aren't going on tour this summer, whereas Andy Farrad is going full noise. Everyone's in. He could easily have get left guys like Keen he Healy uh, at home. Johnny Sexton maybe less so because that would have been a very difficult conversation to tell Johnny that you're not coming to New Zealand with us. But I like that approach. I mean, I think, like I said, if Ireland were to get a win and be competitive across the series, I think it'd be massive for this group of players going into next year. Just kind of on the the point that you made there, will like. I think, like, from an Irish point of view, we really need to see, it would be so good if, like, two or three, you know, Mac Hansons kind of were unearthed by the end of this tour. Like, two or three guys who come to Six Nations are going to be realistically challenging to start in that team. I think, like, guys like Gavin Coombs and, you know, even, like, Tom O'Toole, like, we haven't mentioned him. Like, it's a big tour. Like, you want to see a couple of guys, a couple of younger guys. Ryan Baird is another guy emerge that come to six nations they are realistically putting pressure on guys to start and i think that that all feeds into the bigger picture of what constitutes a successful tour or not
0: and only two i think northern hemisphere teams have won in new zealand the professional era both of them got to the world cup final subsequently so as you say a statement of intent if ireland could do something this summer but it's going to be an unbelievable couple of weeks Keen, best of luck down there and thanks so much for joining us tonight cheers lads i'll chat to you over there hopefully Tough gig you have, Keen. <laughs> someone's <laughs> so, someone's got to do it, Let's That's all we have time for on the left wing this week, but we will be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.
2: This is an Irish independent podcast.